This whole series is about how easy it is to drift from God and Jesus Christ. And we saw last week that uh, there, there had John wrote this letter because there were some false teachers coming in telling people that you no longer needed Jesus. We had a new knowledge of Jesus, a new way of doing things, and people were starting to follow them, and they were starting to drift among what Christianity is all about. And we saw last week we are in danger of that. Uh, we are drifting uh, in America of what Christianity is all about, the basics of Christianity here today. And we last week, we uh, just to recap, we saw that in John chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through uh, 4, uh, John got to actually talk with Jesus. He actually, he actually got to do ministry with Jesus. He got to spend time with Jesus here. And he wanted the people to experience what's called fellowship. And one of the greatest things in churches that I think that we need more than anything, uh, we need to pray, of course, and have Bible studies and sermons, but what's called fellowship here. And I identified last week fellowship is more than what we think as Baptists. We say we're going to have a fellowship dinner, right, Brother Delmas here? That's what we're known for here. But uh, we have more in common than eating, although I like to eat. Amen. Uh, but uh, we, we do things together here. And uh, we need to have that togetherness with God and Jesus Christ. And if you drift from God here, and if you don't have that fellowship with God, it is so easy to drift away from God. And uh, last week we, we saw, and I want to kind of recap that some people were teaching, go back to John, 1 John 1, 8, and then, then we're going to open up in a prayer. Uh, we said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us here. And we saw that last week some people were teaching here that, that hey, we don't sin here. And uh, we said that that's, that's wrong, we do. And we learned about that in Sunday school and the Holy Spirit's conviction here. But we all do sin, okay? And uh, all we have to do is make it right with God. And that, and that confessional time, not between a, a man, but between you and God here, you can have that sweet experience of that relationship with God. Amen? And there's nothing like having a relationship with God here. But we're going to see here that John is going to write some deeper things about maturity and things that hinder our fellowship with God. And you realize, folks, there are some things that can hinder our fellowship with God here. Amen? There are some things that can hinder. I, I was talking to a marriage this week here, and I said there are some things that's hindering your marriage the, from being what it needs to be here. And we all agree that there are some things that can come up that can hinder that sweet love when you stood before somebody and you said, we have something in common and we want it for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. We want to make it a togetherness. But how many agree here there's some things that can get in your marriage? Now, 
when you make a church covenant, when you come and join a church, amen, here, uh, we are family, amen, how many are old enough, we are family, amen, that old, that old Joe, and uh, you know what, we are at this church, I don't know how any other church is, but give me a good amen, aren't you glad we are family here? Now, we're not, we're not a huge church, but I, I strive to make it family. If somebody has a need, somebody has help, somebody needs prayer, we need to do it. Not just a pastor, right? We need to do it together because it's not just a pastor who has a walk with God. It's all of us do it together here. That's what makes it great, and that's what shows the world Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn today here that uh, John was going to write in chapter 2, and we're gonna, he's going to write another reason why he needs to write this letter here. And we're going to talk today about some hindrance to fellowship here. And uh, we're going to see here that the people that he talks to, they, they didn't really know, they weren't spiritually mature enough to know Jesus Christ yet, and they needed to grow, but they needed to be reminded from somebody that was spiritually mature about when they do sin, what they happen. And uh, before I get any farther here, how many of you realize that the devil is the accuser of their brethren? And the old devil likes to throw up your past, doesn't he? I am so glad that, you know, I didn't grow up in church, okay? So I, I'm transparent all the time. I used to drink, and I said a few choice cuss words, did some things that I'm not proud about. But April 17, 1990, I got saved, and I got right with God here. And I'm glad that God doesn't just throw up my past when I make a mistake here, when I sin here. But you know what? Christians can do that to other Christians, can't they? Amen? And usually Christians that, that do that, that keep throwing up people's past, they don't know the Bible here. So I'm going to ask Brother Delmas if you can ask God. We're going to talk about spiritual maturity today, growing in the Lord here, staying close to God here, uh, learning to love when we mature in Christ here. John wanted these people to mature in Christ. He's going to write this section of the letter so that they can walk in the light and love people and help people and mature and become ultimately like who, folks? Jesus. I want you guys to think right now, how many of you, when you first got saved, you really, really didn't know a lot about Jesus and his love and his blood and the forgiveness of sins and all those things? You learned how to get saved, but you wasn't maybe discipled yet. You wasn't brought up. Now, how, how many of you like that with a good amen, okay? And uh, Kenny, isn't that, isn't that a rough spot that you think, man, if I'd done something wrong, uh, Satan's going to keep throwing it up here, and you didn't understand who Jesus was. And I can remember I was like that when I first got saved here. I felt like I had to walk a tight tightrope here. Like I had to be like, okay, you know, don't, don't, don't fall off this way here. Don't mess up here. And when I did mess up here, I don't know about you, I felt like a heel here. You know, I, I, re I really did. And that was, that was a good thing, but that was a bad thing here because there were times that I would say, I would say, hey, you know, I can't, I can't help nobody. I can't do any good in the Christian life here. I, I, can't, I can't be a Sunday school teacher. I can't be a bus captain here. Can't, can't 
couldn't figure myself standing behind a pulpit here, but I was spiritually immature here. I was a little child here. Now, how many agree here that, that uh, we have a lot of children in our church and, and a lot of them are missing today for various reasons here, but how many agree there, that there is a big difference in the maturity in most people, okay, level in maybe a five-year-old than a 40-year-old? Most people, amen? Some people never grow up, amen? Okay. But my point is, a five-year-old, they don't quite understand certain things here. Taxes, what is that? <laughs> How do we do things in this country? What is it? They don't know. But as they grow and they learn and they're taught here, they start saying, oh, I see how we do things here. So I want you to look at chapter 2, verse 1. And John writes, he says, how's he identify these people as? My little what? Now, these were not his birth children here. He was writing to Christians here, okay? This was also a term of affection here, okay? Uh, when he says his little children, he was showing love to them. But when you keep reading in this chapter, it also deals with little children that also began to learn that their sins were forgiven here, but they, they, they had a basic knowledge of, yes, I'm saved, but they didn't have that basic knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because little children in this verse means they were spiritually not mature here, okay? It wasn't that they were little tiny children here, and it wasn't that they were John's uh, birth children. Is that they were little children in God's eyes. Now, if I'd say children and adults, how many agree that's a big difference? Children, teens, adults, college students here, old people here, okay? That, that's a big difference here. So John was... Trying to tell the people here, you know, we done talk, talked about sin, and people that think they never sin actually are deceiving themselves, and they actually need to make it right with God and confess it and have that joy that they once had when they got saved. But now he's going to talk to a different group of people. Because look what he says here. He says, my little children, these things I do, what? Right, right unto you here. So, He's writing for another purpose, right? Okay. We done saw in chapter 1 he wrote for one reason, but now he's going to cover another reason. And what does he say after I write unto you? That you do what, folks? Sin not. Here Now, we realize here that nobody wants to sin. Amen? Okay. And we also realize in Sunday school nobody's sinless. Now, some people may think they are perfect, Amen. There's not a sinless person here. We are sinless in the eyes of God here because he's, in his blood, we sing about, oh, victory in Jesus. We just sung about that, right? Means he saved us in his eyes. We are sinless here, but we still sin here. Okay. Now, how many agree, including the preacher, we pro probably all sin sometime this week? This is not confessional to the priest, okay? This is just being totally honest, uh, and you don't have to raise your hand because I think everybody's covered in here, okay? I went to Marshall. I was telling them I was touring Marshall with my daughter here, and uh, a tractor trailer was uh, 
blocking uh, a stop sign. So I'm just driving, just driving, and I went through that stop sign. I didn't see it, honestly, didn't see it. Well, that guy called me the meanest words, and he waved at me with one finger and said some things, and I was like hot. <laughs> I was like, by golly, nobody in Huntington knows that I'm a preacher right now, <laughs> and, and, and I want to I go just tell that guy a few things in my life. But then the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 you're a mature Christian. That's not the way you're supposed to act here, okay? You're not supposed to sin. You're, you're supposed to handle it right here. And I looked at my daughter. I said, yeah, I did lose my cool. I'm human, amen. But I didn't, I didn't stop the car and punch the guy, amen. Now, my point is, okay, in 1 John, he didn't want these young Christians to sin not. Now, how many agree here that we can overcome some things in your life? How many of you have had an anger problem and God's helped you overcome it? Amen? Okay. How many have had something in your life that God is helping you overcome here? Now, but these were young Christians here, and John says, I got to write unto you. I don't, I don't want you to sin, but look what he says. But if any man does what? If any man sins, okay? That means that we, we will sin, but notice what he says what happens that they did not know, and it's very, very important here because a lot of times people, when they, they do a sin, they try to do like Adam and Eve. What did Adam and Eve do in the garden? They tried to hide. And you know what? I've known people before. I, I was a youth pastor for many years, and there was a good girl, godly family in our church. She got pregnant before uh, wedlock here. You know, small church, everybody knew about it here, and she hid it. I said, where's such and such? They're not here. They're not here. And for, ye for about a year, she hid. And I said to that person, I said, why are you not in church? She said, because of what other people may think of you, me. Now, how many realize it doesn't matter a hill of beans or what people think about you. It's what God thinks about you. Amen. Amen. Now, these people, these people didn't understand they were spiritually not mature, and they didn't understand, yeah, I don't want you to sin, but if you do sin, I want you to understand that we, we Christians, have a what? An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the what? He's the perfect one here. Now, if you're like me when I first got saved and I didn't know what in the world is an advocate here, okay, I, I had no idea. What was a, I couldn't even say it here. An advocate is a defense lawyer, okay? So if you go to court, okay, if, I, if Brother Ronnie and I go to court here, and Brother Ronnie is saying to me, and I know Brother Ronnie wouldn't do this here, he's saying, hey, he did this, and he did this, and he did this. He has his side right, but then they say the plaintiff has his side and usually the defense lawyer stands up in place of the plaintiff and says, let me talk to you about what my, uh, my client did wrong here. Now, do you realize, folks, here, most of us, when we sin and we do something wrong here, Satan gets into our mind. And we start to drift away from God here. We think God can't use me because you're spiritually, you're not mature yet. How many agree? You have got to grow in the Lord. 
You can't stay a little children. He says, I got to write on you. I, I got to cover this here. Okay? You're going to sin. Okay? But sin can cause you to drift away from God. And I've known so many people that, that they, they did something wrong and they've drifted from God, gotten out of church, lost the joy of the Lord here. And all they had to do is come back to the source that saved them. They had an advocate. They had a defense lawyer. So when somebody is throwing up sin, John said, I want you to realize that don't drift. Go to your advocate. When Satan's accusing you, go to your advocate because he's going to go to God. He's going to say here, they're my child. Now, why is he the perfect person for for, to be a defense lawyer. We'll keep reading what he says right here. Okay? He is the, look at verse 2. He is the propitiation. Man, that's, it, that's a huge word here, even for a two-college graduate person here, okay? But uh, the word propitiation means something that can satisfy somebody else's wrath here. Now, when you go to court, right... There's usually somebody standing behind a desk. He's called a what? He's called a judge. And what Jesus does, he goes and he says, this person has debts been paid. I'm their defense lawyer, not Satan. When this, They're throwing up their past. They're throwing up some things right here. Got to understand this, little children. You're drifting. You're, you, don't, you don't get this concept yet yet. And you're, you're not experiencing joy and forgiveness here and the, and the greatness of coming back to Jesus here, amen? And, and how many people out there, they miss that joy of being away from God and then coming home, amen? I got to go home here not too long ago, and every once in a while, it's nice to just go home, amen? And how many people that are spiritually not mature They've drifted from God because they don't realize I got somebody fighting for me in my corner. And I got somebody who's satisfied perpetuation. But notice what he says right here. I love what he says right here. He says, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the what? That means that there's no election here. That's a terrible doctrine here, amen, where God says, your sins are forgiven, and your sins are not forgiven here. No, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Can they get an amen? Okay. So that means, is everybody saved though? No. But if you are saved and you do sin, and you're not spiritually mature, do you have today a basic knowledge already? You got a lawyer in your court? And you got a person that completely satisfy your debt and say hey they're all right and they can they can make it right here with you now this is why john was writing these this he says hey these people were drifting because of sin and when you drift away from god there's a lot of things that can happen in your life amen the bible says to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it is the issues of life you realize the most important thing in your spiritual life is you keep your heart with all diligence here. Because you get something in your heart comes everything in your life. It's how I'm a good pastor or a bad pastor. 
if I have a good husband, a bad pastor, good community person, good Christian, or bad one, if I keep my heart with all diligence here. Now, look what he says. He says, you want to know that you know him. Okay, now look at verse 3. He says, hereby we do know that we do what? Know him. And notice the word know him. Remember back in Genesis here where Adam and Eve had children? It said Adam knew Eve. Okay, that, that was an intimate way here. Now, how many of you want to know Jesus in an intimate way? Not just come to church and say, oh, I heard a sermon about him. Oh, are you saved here? Okay, oh, yeah, I know Jesus here. Do you think John wanted these people to go from little children to intimacy with God here, a closeness with God here? So let me ask you a question. Is there a way spiritually that you can tell people that are spending time with God in fellowship? Is there a way you can do this? If Brother Ronnie here, and we have some visitors here, if you, if you all walked in here today and Brother Ronnie and I walked up and said, welcome to our church, and I say, here, welcome, and I punch Brother Ronnie in the face here, and I said, you would, you would form an opinion, right? If you would say, surely this is a loving church. If, if Nancy and that road turned around here and shouted, this is our pew here, okay? Don't sit in our pew here. And that happens in churches here, okay? Uh, it, these are God's pews, amen? These were welcome for visitors here. But, but I'm just painting a scenario. What, what, what do you think that they would think, Nancy, if your road turned around and said, well, this is our pew here. You don't sit here. They might form an opinion to say, I don't know if these people really know God. <laughs> Intimately, right? They may say that they're saved, they may talk like they're saved. And, Brother Demos, you pastored for a while. You know people that talk that way, right? Amen. Oh, oh, yeah, we're saved. Oh, we're saved. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but the condition that John says, I want you to grow in maturity. So if you say, if we, how do we know that we know him? Look what he says here quickly. If we keep his commandments, now notice what he says, and we're going to talk about what are these commandments here, but keep reading. Okay, so how do we know that we know him? If we keep his commandments. But look what he says. It's easy to talk the talk, but it's better to walk the walk. Look what he says. He that does what? Say it. Okay, there's that word here. You can say something, but how many agree that your actions, when you're spending with time with God, will come out? Your actions. If, if everybody in this church is spending time fellowshipping with God here, and loving God, you're in your Bible, you're praying here, you're, and you can say one thing, but your actions tell us that you're spending time with God, you're growing, you're maturing here. Now look what he says. He that saith, I know him, in other words, the person says, hey, I know him, but he keeps not his commandments, is a what? He's lying spiritually about where he's at, because he's saying, and the truth is not him here. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you lie to yourself? Can Christians lie to themselves spiritually about where they're at? I'm talking about even if you've been saved for a long period of time. Can you, can you talk yourself out and say, I'm a pretty good guy? I'm a pretty good guy. I'm, I, compared to these guys up here at the prison here, I'm a pretty good guy. Amen. Okay. But let me ask you a question here. If the truth is not in us, 
Is it going to mature us and change us? Help me now. No. So you can say all you want here, I'm a pretty good guy, okay? But the way that we make ourselves more like Jesus here is that we have to spend time with him, and then we have to get his word in us. Now, the more you get the word in him, the more that you grow spiritually, and the more you fellowship, the more you mature. How many of you realize? My, my daughter told, me, uh, told us two days ago, she said, my, our grandbaby, she said, she's growing, she's growing, she's growing here. She went backwards like most babies do. She was like six pounds something. She went down to five, and my daughter was worried about her. Said, keep, building, keep feeding her, keep feeding her. My daughter messages, she's up to seven pounds something. I said, she's growing. She's growing here. Now, if she was still seven pounds something at the age of 12, we would say something is what? Something's wrong here. Now, let me ask you a question. If you've been saved for any amount of time, okay, and you're not growing, you're not maturing, you're not changing, you're not becoming like Jesus, I'd say something's wrong. Whether it be from the pulpit, maybe sometimes, sometimes there's pastors that can't communicate truth here. Amen. Just being honest, you're like flying in an airplane trying to figure out where they're at. Amen. Okay. Or there's something between you and God that you need to make right. Maybe you're not getting in your Bible. You're not maturing here. You're not growing. Whose responsibility, Brother Kenny, is do we put a gun to people's hands and hijack them and make them come to church? No, it's your responsibility to drag yourself out of bed, get yourself in church, get your kids ready here, and do like they did in the old-fashioned way. Bring your kids to church here, not send your kids to church. Amen? That's how we grow. That's how we grow. We get the truth in us here, and the truth changes us, and we get close to God. But look what he says right here. He says that he that abideth in him, look at verse 6. Remember what John said in John 15, the grapes abiding by the vine, he that abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Now, is he talking about walking like, am I supposed to walk like Jesus, just like this? Hut, two, three, four. What does it mean to walk just like he walked? That's right, to live like he is. So, how do you live like Jesus? You got to abide. What does it mean to abide? We have a grapevine back there, and we just added some extensions. And I'll tell you what, that, that main branch goes up, and then all of a sudden, that thing just goes, goes do, 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 do. it's going everywhere, amen? And the more things we add to it, the more it gets bigger. How many talk about? John 15, about the grapevine. you got to abide. Now, what does it mean to abide? It means you got to stay close. Now, let me ask you a question. How, how is your relationship with God? Let's be honest. I mean, honesty is the best policy. Do we do this with doctors? You know, the doctor checks your cholesterol and he says, oh, it's way up there. What you been eating? I've been eating fruit salad and everything and everything like that. No, you're lying, buddy. I can tell. Amen. And, and you have to be honest with your doctor. Now, let me ask you a question. In order to grow, do you have to be honest to where you're at spiritually? Yeah. So... If you're having a problem, is it a bad thing? That's not necessarily a bad thing. You just need to realize you need to grow more. Look, look what he says right here. 
he says in verse 7, he's talking about these commandments. What, what are these commandments here? Brethren, I write unto you no new commandment here. I'm not writing to you something that's new. It's talked about in the Old Testament. But an old commandment found in Leviticus, fifth, uh, I think it's Leviticus 19, 18, about loving your neighbor as yourself, loving God first here. But it says, which you've heard from the beginning, you already know it. And again, he says in verse 8, again, a new commandment I write unto you. This thing is what? True, found out where at, folks? In him. Who's him? Who's him? Christ. And in you. Now, let me ask you a question. Whatever is found in Christ is supposed to be where at? Found in where? Me. So if Christ is loving, what should be found in me? I should be found in love. Okay? So what's the first commandment here? Just, just the Ten Commandments? I personally don't believe it. Maybe I'm wrong, and please, if I'm wrong, please let me know. Okay? I think it's what Jesus said. The first commandment to summarize everything is to love who first? Love God first. This is, this is the pillars how I build my ministry. Love God first. Okay? If I love God first, what's the second commandment? I'm going to love who? But keep going. As your as yourself. In other words, those are the commandments because he's talking about love. But notice what he says in this next verse in verse 9. In verse, he says, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. Now, who's the true light that shows everybody how to love? You can see it. You can see it in Jesus' life. Now, let me ask you a question. Can your wife see you acting like Jesus? Can your wife see us? I'm a husband. My wife has seen me sin. And I'd say, hey, I forgive. Forgive me, honey. I, you're wrong like how you're right like all the time. Okay, okay. Always have to eat crow. Okay, okay. But uh, my wife has learned, learned she's seen Christ in me. Okay. But has other people seen Christ in you? Now, how many of you realize that sometimes in some churches here, we don't always see Christ? You know, I don't care how big our church is as long as this community sees Christ in our church. You know what? There was only 12 people at the beginning. And some of them messed up because we're going to see that John was blinded. In fact, quickly here, look at verse 9. He that saith he's in the light... Okay, you're saying, hey, I'm walking close to God. I can see, I can see, I can see God. I can see what Christianity is about. But he hateth his brother here. Now, does that mean that we can't have ill feelings toward people here? Now, let's be honest. Do you like it? Preachers included. Do you like everybody? Are there some people hard to get along with? Let's just be honest. There's some hard-headed people out there. There's some hard-headed people to love in there. Shouldn't you try your best to try to love him? But how many agree here? When he says he hates his brother, it doesn't mean that we all just perfectly jet or mesh. Are there different personalities where you work at and you just don't always mesh? And you say, I don't care for that person here. When he's talking about hating his brother here, he's talking about a deep hatred here. Something is anger. Now, look what he says right here. He's in darkness and he seeth until now. He that loveth his brother, notice what he's going to do. It's going to show why. 
because there's that magic word, verse 10. He abides. What's it mean to abide? Stay close to, right? Stay close to. He abides in the light, and there's no occasion of stumbling where at. You know what? As long as I stay close to Jesus here, stay really, really close here, I have a good chance of being a good pastor. Amen? And I hate to say it, I've seen some lousy pastors behind the pulpit that get away from God. They don't abide with Jesus Christ. And I've seen some lousy Christians here that they are so blinded here by the darkness, they can't see where they're at spiritually here, and they can't see their, they need to grow here. But notice what he says here, and we'll stop. It says, verse 11, But he that hateth brother, again, not having ill feelings, is in darkness, and he's walking, he's living his life in darkness, but notice what he says. And he knoweth not, look what he says right here, he knoweth not what? Whether he goes, why? Now, let me ask you a question. Who's the writer of this book, quickly? Who's the writer of this book? John. Let's go back to John, Luke chapter 9, verse 54. John have to grow a little bit. Everybody thinks, ah, oh, John, man, he was perfect here. Man, he, he never walked in darkness. He never did anything wrong. He was always the nicest person here. Well, he did call down and say fire, call down fire on some people and say, get rid of these people here. But notice quickly, and uh, Luke 9, verse 54, and we'll be done. John said what in verse him. He says, look at verse 53. And they did not receive him because his face was though he was would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and what? Saw this. Look at perfect John here. Perfect loving like Jesus Christ. Is John a human? Did John have to grow? Look what he said. Lord, will thou command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elijah? But notice what Jesus did turned around and he did what, folks? He rebuked him. He corrected them. He says, you don't know, man, or what spirit you are. He says, you don't know what's coming out of your mouth. You don't know what's in your heart here. He had to correct him here. Now, let me ask you a question here. Is there anything wrong with being corrected when we're not doing something loving? Yeah. Preachers need to be corrected by the pulpit here. I've had to do this in 24 years. Somebody would say, hey, that wasn't the best thing to do. Wasn't the, I'd say, hey, thank you for the words of wisdom here. We grow. We learn. Hey, amen. But let me ask you a question, and I'll quit on this. How's your spirit? You don't have a good spirit in this church? Help me now. Okay? You've got to abide by Christ. You've got to stay close. You've got to mature. You've got to grow here. Because you know what? My nickname in high school, and I'll quit, Nick, is Fighting Fred. <laughs> And you know why they called me Fred? There was a guy, there was a guy in high school. I was in the Boy Scouts. I was in the Boy Scouts in Troop 91. And he forgot my name was Frank, and he just started calling me Fred. So everybody back in my hometown, they don't say Frank Stanley, they say Fred. You know Fred? Oh, yeah, Fred. Well, he was a guy that was a redhead guy. My little granddaughter started to get redhead, and I told my daughter, I said, oh, she might have a temper like you or me, okay, okay. Uh, but uh, I, I had that temper. And you know what? 
I realized I, I couldn't have that temper in the pulpit. I wouldn't be loving. I had to grow. I had to learn. I had to mature. I had to become like Jesus Christ. But the only way is when I did sin, I made it right. Okay? I didn't drift away from God. I said, hey, advocate, help me out. Help me be better. Help me do better. Okay? Help me be like you better here. Not Satan throwing up your past. He's good at that, right? Amen. You say, get thee behind thee, Satan. Amen. But my point is, okay, ask your spirit today here, okay? Am I walking close to God or am I blind to where I'm at? And you know what that's sad to say here is so, so many people here are blind and they will not admit where they're at spiritually. They won't even admit a fault. Us men, we're bad about this, right? Amen, men? We don't like to admit when we're lost. Our GPS is wrong. Amen? <laughs> that thing's wrong. That map's wrong here, okay? And, and, you know, we don't like to admit it here. But you know what? Every once in a while, we just need to say, hey, this is where I'm at. And this is where I need to go. And you know what, folks? We got a long way to go in Christianity. But you know what? As long as you keep growing. What's the old story, the old kid story here about the little little train that went up the mountain here helping out some of your readers here Brittany's downstairs okay what is it what is it yeah little engine that could okay and you know what as long as you're like that little engine that could you're making progress here you're making progress here eventually you're going to make it to the mountaintop amen eventually you're going to look back at your life and you're going to say hey I, I overcame some of those sins amen I overcome some of those sins. Now, still, do they still come up every once in a while? Oh, yeah. But I have to say, oh, yeah.